everyone. I'm recording this intro late in the studio, which is also known as my house. And I'm not sure if you can hear the cicadas in the background, but they're pretty loud this time of night. So I apologize for that. But anyway, it's the third week of About South. And so far, every week, I've had to address some issue of violence that has touched either us at About South or our guest. And this week, unfortunately, seems no different. The events of last week in Louisiana, Minnesota, and Dallas are startling and heartbreaking. They require that we have a reckoning with who we are. We need to do better by ourselves and our neighbors, by those we are closest to and by those we imagine as wholly unlike us. Because simply put, there's no other way. In that spirit, it's good to remember that every great movement has had a great soundtrack. And it seems fortuitous that this week we had already planned to talk about the southern roots of soul and neo-soul music as well as African-American music more generally. Professor Scott Heath of Georgia State University sits down with us to cover this topic. We talk songs and albums, lyrics and melodies, sounds and sensations. And over the course of this conversation, I'm reminded of Prince's declaration, albums, like books and Black lives, still matter. Whether born of love or anger, music unites community and amplifies what's most human, what's best in us. It has the power to create bonds and stir people to movement. It's a blessing to be able to talk about the Southern inflections of neo-soul this week, because honestly, our souls could use a little amplifying. We are here with Scott Heath, who is a professor at Georgia State University in the Department of English. He is an author and a scholar of African-American literature and culture. He recently finished teaching the very popular Kanye versus Everybody course that you may have seen in other media outlets where he looked at the legacy of African-American poetry through Kanye West ephemera, essentially. Hmm. Um, and we are happy to have him here today to talk to us about the Southern roots or inflections in neo-soul. But before we do that, we're probably going to go back a little bit and start to talk about some of the Southern inflections in hip-hop and rap more generally. Because over the last 20 years, there has been an explosion of artists that I think many people readily identify as Southern. Outkast, for example. But then we have other artists who are also from the South that no one ever really talks about in terms of Southern identity or Southern musical traditions. So for example, as you and I have talked about before, D'Angelo. Why don't we think of D'Angelo as a Southern artist in the same way that we may think of, say, Outcast. Right. This is the investigation of into a particular mystery. It may be a mystery, or it may just be um, branding ploys or avoidance. D'Angelo is a singer who comes out of Richmond, Virginia. He 
has always been from Richmond. He tells people he's from Richmond. Virginia, I believe, calls itself a southern state and a southern space. Uh, I'm a big D'Angelo fan. Um, but he's also a pretty seminal artist in that he is sort of the first to be called Neo Soul. He's, he's the first, one of the first few, possibly the first one, <laughs> to be uh, identified as a neo-soul artist. He, along with Erica Badu um, and uh, Maxwell, I think they sort of are the, 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 the artists who really were, were the, the definers, or at least people were defining a, a um, sound according to the work that they were doing. Uh, in the mid 90s. So I want to investigate this, but I might want to even make an argument today. I don't know. I feel a little patriotic as a southerner. Um, and I think that the sounds that those people are making ought to be called southern music. What makes them to you southern? And that's a larger question in general. I mean, what makes any sound southern? What's the category there? that we're putting them into. <laughs> well, this is what we can try to figure out. Neo Soul comes out of an association with music that's called Soul. Soul, thinking about soul music, and I want to maybe get into that a little bit because it, it may it may lead us to the answer to this, this question, lead us a little bit closer, lead me um, and solidify my claims a little more. When we think about soul music, we're thinking about music that... Um, sort of a hybrid of um, R&B, I guess 60s R&B and a gospel sound along with a little jazz and a little blues. Many of the artists who were making this music in the beginning um, come from areas of the United States called the South. Put a pin in that. <laughs> thinking about genres and thinking about attaching a musical genre an aesthetic to uh, a particular region, assigning regionality. This only happens in a couple of genres of music. Um, one of them is country music, in which you know you're supposed to be from a certain place, <laughs> um, sound like you're from a certain place, um, um, and carry a particular sound, particular aesthetic. Another of these is hip hop. And this is and hip hop is a genre whose whose sort of regionality is shifting a little bit, but for many years people have argued that the authentic hip hop comes from the East Coast and comes from New York and New York City and finds its roots in New York City. Um, in the same ways that country Western music finds its roots in Tennessee, I suppose, especially maybe Texas also. But what is it then about these, I think, always put this word in quotes, but authenticity markers mm -hmm. in genres that in some cases, being Southern is a sign of authenticity in that genre, mm -hmm. in country, versus in hip hop, the authenticity or East Coast, West Coast rap is urban, city-based. And then it seems like maybe there are some other authenticity markers at work in soul or gospel traditions mm -hmm. like when do we use these and what's the stakes of using them yes country music has this 
there's a, there, there are arguments about authenticity, right? So, and those arguments have to do with particular spaces. Those arguments happen or flare up when you have a, I don't know, a band out of, I think I've heard of them, I can't name any, like out of Brooklyn or somewhere that's making country music. I was having a conversation earlier this morning with an About South listener who mentioned to me that there, whenever people, there's a maybe a country band that's from Indiana mm-hmm. that some other Southern cultural publications want to claim, they'll say, instead of saying they're from Indiana, which sounds very Midwestern, they'll say, oh, they're from outside Louisville. Because they're trying to get them as close to that acceptable regional authenticity market as possible. Right. Because as soon as you say Indiana, then they sound Midwestern, and maybe they're not billable or saleable, sellable as a country artist. Taylor Swift mythology. It is my understanding, and I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan. I don't know if I'm a fan at all. Um, I don't know. She's, she seems nice enough, but I just don't know her music very well. But what I understand is that she comes from somewhere in the northeast she wanted to sing she was singing and her family relocated or relocated her to a more southern place nashville i think to nashville i think do you know where they came from was it somewhere in pennsylvania i feel like it's pennsylvania but i know about as much about taylor swift as i do about blue crayfish and the vampire diaries I feel like it was Pennsylvania too. Okay, so we're <laughs> we're feeling. our feeling collective feeling is Taylor Swift is from Pennsylvania, and we feel that her parents relocated her to Nashville in order to get her closer to the heart of the acceptable space for the production of country music. And she's calling herself a country artist, even though there are also other things that she does in her music that I think hardcore country listeners say, "Wait a minute, that's not as country as we like it to be." She's pop right? country. Right, but she does call herself country. I was riding shotgun with my hair undone in the front seat of his car. He's got a one hand feel on the street. I'd like to add to that though, on the one hand, while we perceive Nashville as the heart of country music, and there's a cultural industry around that. It's also important to remember there's a literal mechanical industry. Mm -hmm. So she's not just getting moved to the perceived marker of authenticity. It's actually the material industry production of country sound that happens in that space. Right. People move different places for work. Right. But would she be the same Taylor Swift had she... I don't know, just commuted to Tennessee and, and, and lived in Pennsylvania, right? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a country singer from Pennsylvania. I go to Tennessee to record, and I come home. I think the same thing happens with New York and hip-hop artists when they want, you know, to make it big, to be noticed, uh, to have access to certain people and access to the industry where things are put together. Historically, They've gone there in the same way that when people want to be movie stars, they move to Los Angeles, right? So there's that, but there's something more, right? Um, you don't have to be from Los Angeles to be a movie star to be acceptable as a movie star. 
Now, there's a production of a sound, and then there's the actual sound. I've been turning this over a little bit. Country music wants wants to connect to a particular place. The artists who sing in that genre, who work in that genre, want to connect to a particular place. I think the same thing happens with hip hop. I think with country and hip hop, they're 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 very they're very special in that sense. Yeah, to call yourself a rock artist, you don't have to be from a particular place. Taylor Swift's move suggests a real need to connect with something, a particular space, a particular idea of uh, rusticity, right? That goes along with being from Tennessee or being from Texas. Similar evidence happens when. I think we mentioned Outkast um, when um, they won their Best New Artist Award um, back in the 90s and felt the need, Andre Benjamin felt the need to defend his southerness on stage at a time when there was a sort of a war going on between East Coast artists and West Coast artists who were making hip-hop sounds. Um, here comes this, this duo out of Atlanta, Georgia, the Atlanta area. Um, they win an award. I think they deserved it. They were booed. <laughs> Not because their music was bad, but because they didn't look like they were from New York or, you know, they didn't look like they were from from L.A., I suppose. And Andre 3000 famously said, the South got something to say. I'm here to let you know this. You're going to be hearing more from us. But he needed to say that. Had he been a New York artist, making the exact same music, I don't think he would have had to say that. the value what's the value of attaching yourself to a particular region or what's the value in making sure you don't attach yourself to a particular region um, and I, I think that's something that's going on in areas like the neo soul moment and the things that preceded it like soul generally speaking and funk and jazz even I also think that there is a distinction an important one to note that in so much popular media, the idea of the South or Southern, people automatically go to this imagined country music, white, rural, sometimes for lack of a better word, redneck image. Right. That is already the image associated with that genre. Right. Now, that's a misreading of who actually lives in the South, but there does seem to be different stakes between white artists and black artists claiming the South to a particular end. And it has to do with what the already stereotypical image of the South is as a homogeneously white rural space. I think it has a lot to do with the, the, the image of the South and the idea of the South. At that time, um, in the 90s, when Outkast was really, really... Um, starting to get attention, I don't think people who listen to hip-hop thought of the South much at all. So how do we then assign region? Is it about, okay, where's the person speaking from? Uh, what does the person speak about? Or where's the, the actual sound, the music produced that makes 
a thing belonged to a certain region. Because for a long time, and, and you can hear this if you listen to early outcasts or listen to any um, artists we call Southern, their early work, a lot of times there's, a, there's a, either a deliberate or a subconscious effort to sound like New Yorkers. The same way somebody might move from Pennsylvania to Nashville and try to sound like someone from Tennessee. <laughs> So back to Neo Soul. <laughs> I want to get historical a little bit and maybe etymological. Um, so you got soul music back in the day, hybrid of gospel and R&B, some jazz and blues. You got Neo Soul in the 90s, which is a hybrid of, I guess, the earlier soul, contemporary R&B, some funk, some jazz and some hip hop inflection also. Neo soul. What I want to know is what is this neo in neo soul? Is the neo in neo soul, which I think was um, a, a, a term coined by a Motown executive um, in the 90s, um, is that neo designed to honor a connection to original soul music or is it designed to dislodge? this more recent sound from the tradition of soul music. Can we go back to soul for a second? Mm -hmm. All right, so soul music. You have some people assign some particular honorifics. Ray Charles, called the genius, also called the high priest of soul. James Brown, the hardest working man in show business, also called the Godfather of Soul. Interesting entry here. Nina Simone, a singer who crosses a lot of genres also, called the High Priestess of Soul. Aretha Franklin, <laughs> called the Queen of Soul. So you've got all these sort of, you know, titles uh, connected to a genre, connected to a notion of a sound, a notion of an aesthetic. I say a notion because, you know, there's a lot of wiggle room inside this category called soul. It so happens that those artists are all Southerners by birth. Some of them some real country kids. Ray Charles from Albany, Georgia. James Brown, born in South Carolina, claimed Augusta most of his life. Nina Simone. Uh, Eunice Wayman, a Carolina girl from Tryon, North Carolina. People who would follow some of the younger artists. Sam Cooke from Mississippi. Otis Redding from Dawson, Georgia. Aretha Franklin, born in Memphis. Al Green, born in Arkansas. Uh, probably still a Memphis resident. All right, so there's this, there's this real attachment to these southern spaces sometimes some real dusty little southern spaces and this is where these people come from <laughs> right and you take something like country music and it's very important to know where people come from
I'd argue that the South, the U.S. South, maybe a bigger South we could talk about, remains the intellectual home of soul music and I dare say black music generally. Funk Spinning Out of Soul, crafted by James Brown, who um, had us jamming on the one, listening for the downbeat, punctuating the downbeat, followed by George Clinton of Parliament Funkadelic from Kannapolis, North Carolina, resident of Tallahassee, Florida, Sly Stone before he went out to the Bay from Denton, Texas, Sly and the Family Stone, again, Southern Kids. You know, these are the these are the generators of a particular sound and a particular aesthetic, um, but you just don't hear a lot about where they're from and where those first influences are are located. Fellas, I'm ready to get up and do my thing. I want to get into it, man. You know, like a like a sex machine, man, moving, doing it. You know, can I count it off? One, two, three, four. funk that James Brown later established and that Parliament Funkadelic picked up you know they took to other places and they you know that funk that funk sound became popular in New York and DC and Chicago and Cleveland and Detroit all these places that were populated by people who arrived through that that one of a couple or a few great migrations you know who gone to these cities these northern cities seeking opportunity and when they heard the funk that a parliament's producing or the funk that um, Sly Stone is producing they're hearing something that they long for they're, they're hearing something that drums up a nostalgia in them they're hearing something that sounded like 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 home you know like something um, that maybe they knew in another lifetime or that their parents knew or grandparents at least you know and this is why that music is infectious and why that music is useful and powerful and it's why all these genres of black music um, build upon one another. You know, they're all talking to one another. They're all extending from a particular place. But if I, if I were to argue that soul is uh, soul music is is uh, comes from a southern place, then. Um, it follows that neo soul extending out of this might also be very southern in its aesthetic in its idiom you've got Erica Badu's song Southern Girl which I like a lot I mean it's basically a one off it's a single um, I think the first line in the song is I'm from the south <laughs> I, I, something like that you know I, that may be it exactly but if it's not it it's very close um, and she sings about being southern and being black uh, people were really excited in 2016 about Beyonce's Lemonade and the song Formation um, and they were saying things like wow it's so black and it's unapologetically black and I'm thinking man you forgot like 99 like Erica, Erica Badu made like 
this song doing all those things and, and more and I actually like it better <laughs> but it's it's um you know it's time for it now you know so people are excited about that now if you watch like a Beyonce's career you know a person from Houston you know born and raised in Houston parents from the south uh I'd, I'd argue that over her career she's gotten more and more pronounced in her southernness in her in her lyrics um talking about being from Houston um in her videos showing things that happen in Houston or in Texas All right so um there's a there's a move in that direction come on So you got these southern songs, but it's a southern song saying it's a southern sound, a southern idiom. And I'm thinking about soundscapes and the way the representation stretches out, the way soundscapes stretch out. I wonder then, because this summer, Designer is the great example of this, mm -hmm. of someone who's taking the sound of an Atlanta rapper, Future, and has re-performed that, mm -hmm. seems to to have not only the content markers, the verbal tics, mm -hmm. and possibly even the accent mm -hmm. of Future, who has, uh, as it learned, as uh, the public has learned, has never even been to Atlanta, which is fine. He's a kid, can't go everywhere. Mm -hmm. So then at what point does something that we might think of as a Southern sound, if just like earlier artists who are from the South picked up New York sounds and attempted to achieve mainstream success by performing the Bronx, then now Designer is picking up an Atlanta sound and is achieving success by performing Southerness. So mm -hmm. when does it start to fall apart that we say, well, it's all a performance? I'm going to be a Southern patriot here, and I'm going to say that Designers just bringing things full circle. Plain as day, emulation. I am going to go on a limb and say that the Northeast, and in particular New York City, as a culture, culture consumer and a culture reader, has offered me nothing except for a place for my favorite artists to gather and work together. Nothing that's not Southern. And I'm going to blow out this Southern a little bit. The U.S. South, the Global South, I think cities like New York are a great place to meet up. Hip-hop for a second. Established in the 70s. Um, three big figureheads. DJ Cool Herc. Clive Campbell. From Kingston, Jamaica. Africa Bambada, parents from Barbados and Jamaica. Grandmaster Flash, born in Barbados. All types of Puerto Rican and second generation Puerto Rican B-boys and B-girls. What I'm saying is the people who made hip hop sound and aesthetic 
are either immigrants or the children of immigrants from the South. And New York says we made hip hop. There's New York, there's the Bronx and all this stuff. Yeah, okay, it happened there, but it happened under the influence of and inspired by the histories, the personal histories of people from other places. So now we've gotten to a point where, you know, hip hop has gone global, it's national, region is discussed less often. But, you know, this kid designer, this, you know, teenager from New York, you know, is, is reproducing the sound that he's become accustomed to, you know, that he enjoys. And that sound is a sound that just a little while ago was called very specifically Southern, very specifically Georgian, very specifically Atlanta, depending on who you're talking to at a certain time. Um, but certainly a sound of otherwise a sound of a particular region that's now fair game, you know, that's now freely accessed by a kid scribbling in his notebook sitting in the back of his math class in Brooklyn. But I think what you're positing to me is interesting because I think you're suggesting that there is this very old network of sound that has pinged around and planted itself and grown and gone out to other places and it it puts out a call, people hear it, it ruminates, people meet up, people are in these nodes of spaces and connectivity and then sometimes via even designer the kid in his math class they send it back like it comes back absolutely like it's it's like sound waves bouncing off a global network that it just so happens we have to pay attention to how many of these nodes initially or take hold or develop in southern spaces which goes a little bit to something i know you've talked about in other places is this idea of the long south mm -hmm. do you want to talk about that uh yeah I'm, I'm working up something that i'm calling the long south and it is about soundscapes and representation and how idioms originally designed in southern spaces are extended across space and time geography um sometimes in, in recognized in a recognizable fashion and other times um um a little more embedded and again, I think I think I'm, I am thinking about the South as a, as an intellectual home, an aesthetic home, for um, a lot of sound that's re refashioned. And yeah, as people meet up, they get new ideas, they get new technology, and all these things. And that's why you know genres grow out of genres. Uh, but they all they all start somewhere and they speak back um, to a southern base. from Kenston, North Carolina. Uh, possibly the most famous musician from Kenston, North Carolina 
a guy named Maceo Parker. He's from Kinston. I knew him a little bit growing up. I was in a jazz band at Kinston High School. Maceo Parker would honor us by stopping by the band room and showing us a little bit on the alto saxophone, on the tenor saxophone, and we knew he was famous. How do we know he was famous? We knew of his lore and we knew of his career. Um, he himself had played in a jazz band before. Um, and here he is back, you know, on that on that soil, you know, maybe in the band room, maybe you catch him at a football game. Uh, he's playing his horn. A little while later, Maceo Parker gets picked up and plays with James Brown. James Brown, the godfather of soul music. James Brown, the one of the inventors of funk music. Right, so Maceo leaves the jazz band of Kinston, North Carolina, plays with James Brown, plays with James Brown for a while, picks up a gig and plays with George Clinton in Parliament Funkadelic for a while, playing funk music. Um, he's not just a musician, he's a composer too. So one might imagine that, you know, some of um, Maceo Parker's creativity and intellect has seeped into um, some of these, these charts and some of the performances based on these, these music charts some of that style, some of that aesthetic. So you got a guy, and I'm speaking about Maceo for a second, one, because he's from my hometown, but two, because he's a person that, one of the best I can think of who embodies that progression of sound across genre and across geography and across musics that aren't necessarily considered Southern in every, in every conversation, but he's a guy that still goes back home to Kinston, North Carolina and plays with the kids in the, in the band room. Listener is because sound waves require a endpoint for it to exist in our brains as sound, right? Otherwise, it just floats off to the stars or something. Does it matter who the hearer is? Well, we're talking about sound in a couple of ways. I mean, is the actual sound traveling in the atmosphere, and then there's a sound as representation of culture. You know, whereas actual sound may bounce off of walls and things like that, the sound that is a representation of culture bounces from brain to brain and from body to body and booty to booty, you know? And if the booties keep moving, I mean, the sound will keep bouncing. So maybe it does depend. You know, sound hits you and it uh, depends on whether your booty can process that. If your booty can process it and your friend's booty can process it and they pick up on that sound too and they pick up on that aesthetic and they pick up on that idea, um, then they might, they might hear what you're hearing and get into the groove. Thanks for listening this week. We'd like to thank our guest, Scott Heath. Additionally, though we plug his work every week, it seems especially important to know our musical contributor, Brian Horton. He's a North Carolina guy, and we so appreciate his willingness to allow us to use his compositions. Please visit his website, brianhorton.com, and support his music. Likewise, we encourage you to visit our website where you can find links to many of the artists featured and discussed in this episode. 
About South is brought to you each week from the historic West End of Atlanta, Georgia. Kelly Vines is co-producer. Please subscribe to About South on your preferred podcast platform. And just so you know, we realize that we didn't get the chance to talk about every artist that's taking a turn towards the South these days. For example, we missed this guy. I'm interested, I've said in other places, I'm interested in the way that, um, that, uh, Drake skips New York. (laughs) I love that he skips New York. When he's not talking about Toronto, he talks about New Orleans, he talks about Atlanta, he talks about Houston, um, and he talks about going home to visit his father in Memphis, Tennessee. He also and, tells everyone he likes to go to Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> you know I'd like to go there. <laughs> I like that line. So, send us a message about your favorite expected or unexpected Southern musical artist, and we'll talk about it. Next week, we're off to Buena Vista, Georgia to visit Pasaquan, home of the late visionary artist Eddie Owen Martin. Until then, be gentle with yourself and one another.